All right, so uh, what was last Sunday? Easter, Resurrection Sunday. He is risen? All right, so the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Amen? God the Son, Jesus God the Son, he had to go to the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have life. But he had to rise from the dead to prove that he had power over sin and death. And so after he rose from the dead, so he was put on the cross on a Friday and rose from the dead on a Sunday, and so that meant the tomb was empty. The empty tomb, what a beautiful thing. The empty tomb. If there's an empty tomb, that means there's life. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We can't ever lose sight of that. Jesus rising from the dead was a great victory. <coughs> his resurrection proved he had power over sin and death. Not his sin, but our sin and our death. And because he paid for our sin and he rose from the dead, we can turn away from our sin, our brokenness, and our despair and live in freedom in his kingdom. He will forgive us. He'll welcome us into his kingdom. He died so that we could have life, that we could have abundant life, eternal life. So Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, was a fantastic reminder of the amazing life we have in Jesus. So this is the good news of Jesus, the resurrection. Today we want to discuss what comes after the good news. So let's watch for a moment. Is this on? Okay. Uh, hi, it's my first time to MyTube. And uh, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing actually. Uh, something was actually kind of bothering me. So I figured what better, I'll share it with 5 million of my closest anonymous friends on the web. Can't talk to the wife about it. Um, so what's bothering me, you might ask? Easter. Easter's bothering me. Uh, it's not really Easter. I dig Easter. The bunnies and the baskets and the kids running for the eggs and family photos, that's all awesome. I love it. But then comes the day after. Monday. And the kids go back to being kids. Daddy, he stole my toy! Daddy, he pulled my hair! And the wife's like, sweetie, can you run this little errand 45 minutes out of your way? And oh yeah, the office meeting. The three-hour office meeting that bears a striking resemblance to being in the dentist chair getting root canals with no Novocaine. Also, the boss can say, you know what, let's go with the original plan. Did I say I like my job? Probably not, because I don't. <sighs> Every year on Easter, the pastor says, Jesus Christ died for your sins. So you can live an eternity in heaven. He suffered for you. He suffered for me. And then, now he's risen. And that feels good. But see, the problem is, Sunday night, I go to bed, and when I wake up, it's Monday. And Monday seems really far away from Easter. And that hope seems really far away. 
I want that hope. I want Easter every day. Why can't that be every day? I don't know. I'm insane. I'm rambling. I, does anybody feel like this? Of course not. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to post this. So did this past Monday seem very far away from Easter? Did the hope and joy we experienced last Sunday seem very far away as we progressed through the week? Did life take over and the pressures and stress of work and school and relationships and bills and health and broken things and unfinished projects, I got a bunch of those, consume us to the point that the good news of Jesus was kind of drowned out? Did our need to succeed and our search for significance displace our relationship with Jesus? Our friend in the video asked a very good question. Why can't Easter be every day? And the truth is, it can be every day. We can experience all that God has for us every day. We can experience God's life-changing power in our lives every day. And the key to experiencing all that God has for us every single day is summed up in one word, freedom. What changes our Mondays is our freedom in Jesus Christ. Freedom in Christ is what makes every day Easter. And so today I want to share some of what Jesus has to say about freedom. So first, Jesus brings freedom. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now this is a prophetic word about the Messiah, the Christ. It was written about 700 B.C., the Messiah will preach the good news to the poor, not the physically poor, but the spiritually poor. The Messiah will bind up the brokenhearted. He will heal broken hearts. The Messiah will proclaim freedom and release prisoners from darkness. Not physical prisoners, but spiritual prisoners. Prisoners trapped in their own sin, their own brokenness, and their own despair. Many years ago, the Lord kind of gave me a picture of a prison uh, cell block. Just row after row of prison cells. And yet every door was open. And yet every cell had a prisoner in it. Every door open, but every cell had someone in it. And the bottom line of the picture was that every person in every cell was free to go. And yet they were still in their prison cell. And this is a picture of what the prophet Isaiah says the Messiah, the Christ, will do when he comes. He will unlock every prison door and he will invite everyone to leave their cell and enter into freedom. So now let's fast forward 720 years about and listen to what Jesus said. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 21. 
<clears throat> and Jesus returned to the power of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus even went to church every Sunday. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he's quoting He's quoting from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. They wanted to know what he was going to say next. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus was the exciting new teacher in the synagogues. Everyone was glorifying him. And uh, the word had spread about Jesus throughout the countryside. And on this one particular day, he stood up and he read from the scroll containing the book of Isaiah. He read Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 2, and he sat down and he said, that's about me. I am that person that Isaiah wrote about. Jesus at that moment claimed to be the Messiah, the one who would proclaim freedom and release prisoners from darkness. And we know that on Resurrection Sunday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus proved that he's the Messiah because he rose from the dead. And so Jesus brings freedom. Paul wrote about it this way in Galatians chapter 5. He says, for freedom, Jesus Christ set us free. Chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, we studied this just a few weeks ago. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So when we surrender our lives to Jesus, his authority sets us free from sin and death. Jesus opens the door to our prison cells. So when Jesus sets us free, he doesn't just open the door and say bye. He invites us to step into his kingdom. Now I've never been incarcerated. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands to see if you have. Um, so I don't know firsthand what it would be like to be in prison, in jail. But several years ago when Naomi was 12, uh, Tara was involved in Youth for Christ, and, and she took some of the students, including Naomi and, and uh, Leanna and Ted, uh, our, our, one of our sons and our, one of our other daughters, to... Uh, a kind of a scared straight thing, not that they needed to be scared straight, but it was just kind of cool. So, so they went to the Cuyahoga County Jail, and uh, they got a tour of the, the jail. And uh, at one point, the corrections officer put each one of the students in a cell by themselves 
said, we'll be back in a little while, closed the door, and walked away. No watch, no clock. It, took, it was about 15 minutes, and then the guard came back. And Naomi told me afterwards, she said, Dad, that was the most scary 15 minutes of my entire life. And she knew she was going to get out, and she wasn't in trouble, and she was still scared to death. Because she was trapped. She was imprisoned. Now some people think that living without God is freedom. I can do what I want. I can do whatever I want. But the reality is, when we live without God, we are in prison. But when we step into the freedom of God's kingdom, through a relationship with Jesus, we experience an epic life that is a great adventure. Listen to part of what is included in this invitation to live in the kingdom of God. The first and foremost, we have eternal life. So if you've given your life to Christ, you already are living forever. So that's the, that's the big one. But there's so many others for the here and now. He's saying about the here and now. We abide in Jesus. When we're, when we're, when we're in his kingdom, we abide in Jesus. In John 15, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. So we abide in Jesus. We also get to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. When you were a kid, who did you mimic? Who was your hero? Who did you want to be like? Anybody? Who did you want to be like when you were a kid? Your dad? Okay. Anybody else? Come on. Mary Lou Redden, okay, the big gymnast, okay? Yeah, yeah, Olympic gymnast. Anybody else? Batman? Who said that? Yeah, Eli, okay, good. Oh, Eli was Robin? Your mom said that. I'm just repeating her. Okay, anybody else? You're one of your teachers, okay. Somebody said Bell, like Beauty and the Beast Bell, okay. All right, anybody else? A couple more? All right, you guys must have had boring childhoods. I wanted to be like Captain America. See, but here's the deal in the kingdom of God. We get to mimic and be like and walk with the Holy Spirit. And unlike Captain America, I hope this isn't a, uh, a spoiler alert, unlike Captain America, the Holy Spirit is real and dwells in every follower of Jesus and leads us and guides us. And we get to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We also get to join God in his work of rescuing others from spiritual darkness from the spiritual forces of evil, from sin, and from death. And we can experience the fruit of the Spirit. What a world we would live in if everyone experienced the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we receive every spiritual blessing. Paul said this in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. So this is the invitation. Imagine getting an invitation like that. 
There's another couple in the church that's getting married in June, and we got the invitation just a couple days ago. It's like, wow, we got invited to their wedding. Jesus invites us into that kingdom that I just described. That's amazing. However, we face a problem once Jesus opens the door of our prison cell. It's called recidivism. Recidivism, I know that's a big word, hard to say. Recidivism, a tendency to relapse into a former pattern of behavior, especially a tendency to return to criminal habits. I mentioned this statistic uh, a few weeks ago. Inmates released from the state prisons in our country have a five-year recidivism rate of 76.6%. In other words, three out of four people released from a state prison are back in a state prison in five years. And you think, man, that is hard to understand. You'd think anyone who goes to prison would be like, I, I will do anything never to go back there again. They were given freedom to live in a society, in society, in freedom, instead of in prison. And yet, and yet they could not live in freedom. You know, in some countries they put people in jail for that. <laughs> Just saying. I'm kidding. No con- there's now no condemnation in prison. So when Jesus set us free, we're given the freedom to live in the kingdom of God instead of our prison cells. And yet sometimes we find it hard to live in that freedom. And we find ourselves drifting back in to our prison cells. So how do we live in freedom? How do we leave our prison cell and live in the freedom of the kingdom of God. One day Jesus was talking to some folks who were struggling with recidivism. They believed in Jesus, they wanted to follow him, but they were finding it hard to live in freedom. And so Jesus, this is John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth, will set you free. So this passage tells us a couple critical things about living in freedom. In verse 31, it says, if you abide in my word, you're really my disciples. The NIV, the New International Version, translates it this way. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. So if you're reading and studying and applying the word of God day by day to your lives, You're getting to know Jesus, and you're really beginning to follow him. And then verse 32, it tells us, the result of holding to Jesus' teachings is that we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So an incredibly important part of living in freedom is knowing the truth, the word of God, and knowing the truth, Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, I am the truth. So if we know the truth... We abide in the truth. Our thinking begins to change. 
And as our thinking changes, our actions begin to change. And so when we leave our prison cells and we walk with Jesus in freedom, we begin to think like free people. Imagine how someone who's sentenced to prison for 20 years, let's say, has to think what they have to think about. But a person freedom has a whole different world to think about and to live in. And so our freedom in Christ gives us a new way of thinking. And when we get to Romans, when we get, we're going to get back to Romans next week, Romans 9, but when we get to Romans 12, we'll really start to see how Paul unpacks this. We begin to see the world the way God sees it. We begin to trust that God's way is the best as we begin more and more to know the truth. So as we grow in the truth that we know, and we grow in our ability to apply the word and walk with Jesus, we'll live more and more in freedom. Now, has this ever happened to you? You're faced with a difficult situation or a difficult relationship, and it seems like maybe, maybe just in this case, conventional wisdom and common sense seems like a much better idea than God's word. You don't have to raise your hands, but I think we've probably all been there. And so this is what we do. We say to God, hey God, this, this one, I got it. And we set aside his word, and we do our own thing based on something else other than this. And when we do that, we give away part of our freedom. And we walk back into that prison cell. So when we walk back, I think we can all agree we do that. We all do that. Maybe some of us do it every day, maybe once a week, maybe every minute. It doesn't matter, but we all do that. And so when we walk back into our prison cells, how do we regain our freedom? The first is we ask God for forgiveness. That's where it begins. Ooh, I'm back in this prison cell that Jesus died to get me out of. I'm so sorry, Jesus, for being back in this cell. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we ask God for forgiveness. And second, we repent. We turn from our sins. We walk back out of that prison cell. We walk back into the kingdom of God. And repentance is not only turning from our sins, turning back to Jesus, but it's a declaration of our trust in Jesus. I trust you. I'm back trusting you. I trusted myself and it got me nowhere. I'm back trusting you. So we ask for forgiveness and we repent. And then we engrave the word of God on our lives, on our hearts. The word of God will keep us out of our prison cells. Let me give you two examples. Do you ever, ever have trouble with priorities? Oh yeah. So let's, let's look at what does God say? Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Priorities? What does Jesus say? 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's pretty clear. That keeps us out of the prison cell if we keep our priorities focused as Jesus calls us to. Are you having trouble with letting your circumstances get you down? That was me this week. And I know some of you are in way more difficult circumstances than I am. So, what does the Word of God say? I memorized these verses in the NIV, so I'll quote it from the NIV. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is Christ's will for you, or this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always. Well, this really stinks. Why would I be joyful? Because I'm out of the prison cell. I'm free in Christ. I live in the kingdom of God. Okay, circumstances stink, but I'm still out of my prison cell. I definitely don't want to go back there. Pray continually, that's a no-brainer. But I don't. But I want to. And give thanks in all circumstances. You know, when Naomi shared, her first six months in China were, were a bear. And yet, she sees the fruit now of all the struggles she faced. So we need to engrave the Word of God on our hearts so we trust the God of the Word. And then the last thing is we need to endure. We will face circumstances that really do stink, that are bad, that are messed up, that are not our fault shouldn't be happening. But we endure. Following Jesus is the great adventure. It takes effort, but the effort is worth it. There's no seven easy steps to a better me. Living in freedom is an adventure that requires endurance. Paul wrote this to his protege, Timothy. He's like, Timothy, here's what life's going to be like. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, he says, Hey, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. Well, that implies there was a fight, right? And he fought it. He fought the good fight. He said, Paul says, I've finished the race. It's a race. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Requires trusting God. Remember last week we talked about raising our shield of faith. Don't lower it. The devil will beat you up. Raise your shield of faith. Never stick your shield of faith in the corner and try and go out the door, out the wire, as we used to say in the army, without your shield of faith. And then he goes on, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I know that's where each one of us wants to be. When we stand before the Lord on that day, actually when we kneel before the Lord in worship on that day, He will give us a crown of righteousness. And He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's where we want to be. So Jesus came to set us free. 
so that we could live our lives according to his truth, to his amazing plan, instead of struggling through life trapped in a prison cell that had an open door. He opens our prison doors. Jesus said, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth, Jesus and his word will set us free. So Easter can be every day. And so today I want to give you a challenge. I call it the Easter Everyday Challenge. You've heard of different challenges, right? The, you know the destructive ones, right? Tide Pod Challenge, right? Hopefully none of you tried that. Bad idea. Then there's the Ice Bucket Challenge. That's kind of a funny one. I never did it. Um, and then there's challenges that are purposeful and have meaning and support good causes. So I want to give you the Easter Everyday Challenge. And it's real simple. 30 days, 30 minutes a day, at least one chapter in the Bible. Read it, ponder it, pray over it, and then one verse is going to, at least one verse is going to jump out at you off the page of that chapter. Write that verse down on a card. Carry that card with you for the day. Look at it when you want to look at your phone. Look at it when you're eating lunch. Maybe if you're really dangerous, really have dangerous face, share it with someone. Say, hey, look at this verse that God gave me today. Maybe it'll help you too. Um, Sammy, what was that verse you shared about the light? It, and it says? Yeah. So you're talking to somebody at lunch and they're kind of down. Be like, read this verse. God gave me this verse about light and darkness. Maybe it'll help you. So that's the challenge. 30 days, 30 minutes, one chapter, one verse. Carry it with you throughout the day. Easter can be every day. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. So Lord, you're a good God. I know I probably say that every time I start a prayer. But you are, Lord. You're so good to us. You didn't have to, but you went to the cross so our prison doors could be opened. And we're so thankful, Lord. And Lord, forgive us when we've wandered back in, snuck back in, even ran back into those prison cells. Forgive us, Lord. We don't want to be there. And we know what you did to get us out of there. And so forgive us. Or we put our trust in you. Not our own wisdom. Not our own common sense. But we put our trust in you and your word. Or would you help us engrave your word on our lives. That our lives would reflect your truth. And Lord, we want to endure in the difficult circumstances and lord we want to endure when you call us into the valleys where people who are broken and in despair are at and we rub up against sin as part of your res rescue plan lord we want to endure we want to fight the good fight we want to keep the faith so lord help us this week walk in freedom and never go back into that prison cell you set us free from. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. 
Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.